there's a lot of value in doing jobs that you're not good at, that don't play to your strengths, so that you build a level of competency in what you will later lead. I completely agree with that. I think it's actually really important in that scenario to be very self-aware of right now, I am playing to my weaknesses. That is why this is so stressful. That is why I am not doing as well. Here's where I need help and here's how I can ask for mentorship and here's where I can learn more effectively within my style, how to do this thing that I will never be good at. I think it's critical still to have and lean into your self-awareness. Welcome to Behind the Product, a podcast by SEP where we believe it takes more than a great idea to make a great product. We've been around for over 30 years, building software that matters more. And we've set out to explore the people, practices, and philosophies to try and capture what's behind great software products. So join us on this journey of conversation with the folks that bring ideas to life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Kirsten Moorfield. She's the co-founder and CEO at Cloverleaf. I got to hear Kirsten at a panel at a conference here in Indy and really resonated with a lot of what she shared. Our conversation went a few directions, but a few things that stood out to me. I really enjoyed hearing how she made a massive pivot to start this tech company, why she finds this work at Cloverleaf so encouraging, and a couple of aha moments she's had so far in building this product. The most surprising thing that we talked about was how she discovered that less time for users on their platform was actually a good thing. Really quick, before we dive in, a huge thank you to Ryan Shoddy for being my co-host. Ryan's a peer of mine here at SCP, and I always appreciate how he helps me be more curious in conversations like this. And as always, if you think there's one person that might enjoy our show, please consider sharing it with them or share some feedback from me. You can send me a note at podcast at scp.com. All right, enough of me talking. Hope you enjoy You and I met because you gave a fun talk with my friend Lindsay at Rally and loved what we were chatting about as far as people and professional growth and just all the things that I think you and I share from a from a geek out perspective. I'm kind of curious. I just recently learned about Cloverleaf from you and Andrew. Just for anybody listening who doesn't know what you guys are, quick level set. Tell me a little bit about Cloverleaf and your guys' journey so far. Yeah, I'd love to. Do you want me to give a quick overview of what the product is, how it works, all that first? Yeah, 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 yeah. For real. I think they'll do the whole dog and pony. So we've all heard of or taken Myers-Briggs, DISC, StrengthsFinder, Enneagram, these assessments. And what we do at Cloverleaf is we take those and we turn them into automated coaching. So that would look like, you know, this morning my calendar would have gotten read. It would have said, hey, you're going to meet with Zach today. Here's something specific about how he feels conflict or resolves conflict or is persuaded or makes his decisions or what he needs to know to be informed. You know, he's a big picture thinker. He's a detailed person. It would just break down all of that information into just what I need to know about meeting with you today, Zach, and you too, Ryan. (laughs) And then you can come into the platform and you can type in specifically what you need coaching on. Like, well, how do I give Zach feedback without causing conflict with him? Okay, it would give me coaching specific to that scenario that I needed to know. That's one-on-one coaching. You can also get coaching about yourself. What do you need to know today? How do I delegate better? Why am I stressed today? I'm really tired. How can I still be effective today? Whatever it is that you're facing, you can just type that in and get coaching on it. 
or you can even spin up groups and teams. Help me understand these team dynamics here with this group of eight people, or I inherited 38 direct reports overnight. (laughs) Help me see what's the makeup of these people. So it's really all about taking the great research that's behind all of these assessments that some of us love or hate and turning it into actionable coaching that you need right now. Do you feel like that is complementary or in lieu of a more traditional one-on-one coach or peer group mentors? It's totally complementary. We actually have, I think, about 150 coaches that pay us to use this in their practices. So we work a lot with coaches and consultants because they have to administer these assessments. So our platform makes their admin side of their job easier, but then also helps their coaches take that learning into their day-to-day work and they continue to learn and then have more to talk about with their coach next time they meet. So I'm curious really quick about you. How did you get plugged into this? Was this, you know, you and your co-founder just had an idea, you were super passionate about it and said, let's start a company or I'm always curious about, uh, you know, the quick origin story. Origin story. Yeah. Real quick origin story would be I led a group of people who some loved their job, some hated their job, some were great, some didn't. And so I used Myers-Briggs and StrengthsFinder to try to figure out how can I coach these people better? And I had no clue what I was doing. I was like, this person is an S and that one's a T. I don't know, N, J, like, (laughs) and long story short, my co-founder, he was somebody I used to work with, ran into him after I left that company and told him I was thinking about starting a company. I was thinking about starting a fair trade fashion company, still a passion of mine. And he said, hey, don't do that. Come start a tech company with me. Let's use assessments. Let's help people find their groove at work. And I was like, well, it's truly a problem I experienced. I'd love to help. Actually, at first I said no, because I hate technology. And then I was like, actually, wait, that makes it scalable and a great solution. And now I do love technology, but I am still a bit of a Luddite in my personal life. Are you on social media or are you not on social media? No, not at all. I've started doing a lot more on LinkedIn lately because I just need to for work. You know, we have to spread the message, but otherwise, no, Mm-mm, zero. Don't own a TV. I browse Instagram, but I don't like, I don't post it. I don't even browse. Don't browse. Here's the head trash I have. Nobody cares about anything I have to say. And yet I'm sitting here on a podcast, but that's beside the point. You find your message that you can help people with. That's what you do on social media. But you know what? I would rather be present with my children. I'm with you. Well, when my children got to be teenagers, though, that's when I had to learn a lot more about social media to connect with them a different way. Yeah, so. That's fair. Now that they're heading off to college, it'll be kind of fun. So if SEP, we're going to look and evaluate Cloverleaf. I really love the idea. And I, I got to you know look behind the scenes. And I think it's really, really awesome and something that's unique in the market. How would we even start to evaluate its value? Like what impacts are companies and individuals within those companies seeing when they're using this stuff? We are first to market with a brand new kind of technology. So there's a lot of research we've done around that. So we partner with a lot of our clients on, hey, what are your specific goals with this? And then we measure the impact of that. So we've got measurements for all kinds of things. We've got measurements for how much does it make people just feel good? (laughs) Like put them in a better mood at work. (laughs) which is pretty high. We've got measurements for how much does it actually make people want to approach new challenges and try new hard things? How much does it make people open to learning new skills? How much does it help resolve conflict on team? How much does it make this team work more effectively together? We've got measurements on all of that. Andrew could show it to you. And really where we first plug in with an organization is just what are your goals? What are you struggling with? Because at the core core of what we do, we help people collaborate. Everybody needs to collaborate. 
everybody needs to bring their unique perspective to the table and solve problems together. And that is all about your relationships, your communication style, your listening style, your thinking. Are you analytical? Are you detail-oriented? Are you big picture thinking? And then how do you mesh that with the people around you? So that's really what it happens at the core, but different businesses put a different frame on that for all kinds of things. Some people will use us in their leadership development program because they need their leaders to be able to adapt their style to their direct reports so that there can be better collaboration on the team. We have mental health that we're focusing on a lot and how can we help our people feel more energy at work instead of drained and stressed? You know, it just depends on your specific context. Thematically, it could be all different kinds of reasons. Which is terrible for marketing, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that could be challenging. Is there an aspect of working remotely or, or coming back to the office? Huge aspect of that. And I mean, we always served remote teams, but then obviously when 2020 hit, that became a hot button topic for everybody that we talked to. Actually, right before this call, I was just talking to somebody who used to head up HR for all of Facebook outside of North America and global HR operations, they were always distributed. And she said that was their number one problem was just how do people really get to know each other when they don't actually do anything beyond like 30 minute increments on video where you only see one quarter of the person's expressions, body, all of that kind of stuff. And then people turn video off. And how do you really help them understand each other? So yes, Ryan, spot on. Yeah, that's an interesting point because obviously I get to meet you in person. I feel like I have a very small glimpse of like interacting with you as a human being and Zoom or recording over Riverside here. It's just a different feel. Are they getting ready to say something? Do I need to wait and pause? You can't even like read communication cues very well. I can imagine that being really hard to coach remotely. I've never really, other than the pandemic, I personally never had to do that. I've always been in person. Can't imagine how hard that would be. Yeah. And from the start and the stop of this conversation, we're, we're kind of mm-hmm. on and we're mm-hmm. talking about a topic. We're yeah. not passing each other in the hallway, hearing about your yeah. dog or your family or whatever, which yeah. is another part of the person that you don't get to see in a scheduled format. Yeah, there's a lot of water cooler conversation. Well, if there was a water cooler, there's a lot of break room or hallway conversations that happen in our building because we're 100% in office. That's kind of a unique thing about SCP. And almost for two years, it was December of 21 when we yep. brought everybody back. And we've been, I'll say, in office for 35 years since, you know, the 20 months or so that we were yeah. all at home with the pandemic. And it was for us, it was just a matter of when, not a matter of if from a timing perspective. And so far it's worked out for us. We're not proselytizing this. It's not, everybody should be in person. You know, this works for us. The tax of being remote and that human aspect that you're talking about, I think is is so vitally important for us as a business. You can use your fully in-person as a recruiting tool because I'm sure some people are just starved for it right now and other people are like never going to go back. I think we've gained and lost candidates on this topic. I think we've lost some people that are like, no way. And we've gained some folks who are like, please, I'm looking forward to your point. As you talk about like the ideal company that should be thinking about this, it, I mean, is it really anybody? Maybe their just motivations are different. <laughs> so, like, only... I'm, I'm trying to think about that, you know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like I joked about this is a marketing problem, but it is really hard for us to explain because we are used in so many different scenarios. So we do very consultative sales process. But There is a trend of some companies that we aren't as helpful with. First is companies that are less than 50 people, especially like they can get short-term value out of Cloverleaf. But where we're really helpful is your scenario, like teams move, direct reports move, like where people are changing relationships and need to get to know each other. And especially in 
that global and remote scenario where you have that one call for that one project, that one person that you've talked to two years ago. But where we aren't as helpful is those smaller organizations, but also organizations that have really low trust, where there's a high level of toxicity in the culture. And everyone talks about toxicity in culture, toxic culture. But there are certain institutions, certain industries where that's just more prevalent. And I won't say it out loud, but we are very aware of that internally of like, oh, you know, certain organizations in that industry are just, we'll have calls, but it usually, there's not a level of psychological safety and it's actually dangerous in that culture to be known and to have transparency about your strengths. Can be used as a weapon kind of thing. A hundred percent. And it will be in certain organizations. Is that a weapon up and down the org oh, chart or that's like interesting. even within a team? Yeah, Probably that's a good question. In all different directions. Yes, it's all of the above. How do you even start sussing that out? Is that just an intuitive, you guys are reading that through the sales process? It's pretty obvious from the beginning. And it's in the questions that they ask. Almost every organization that's over a thousand people will ask us, well, how can people protect their privacy in this? And we 100% agree with that because in every organization, there is a level of, I don't know you. I don't know if I can trust you yet. And that's 100% something that we are behind is how do we help shift a culture towards more transparency, towards more psychological safety, towards more, it's safe to have a conversation of like, here's what I'm good at. Here's what I'm not good at. Here's where I need your help. Instead of I have to be all things to all people. But there has to be some foundation of that exists. The seeds of that at least exist. And there are unfortunately certain industries where people really suffer because that is just so ingrained to not be that way. I'm curious to shift towards some of the actual product, the assessments. Talk about it. So again, we talked about, I think all three of us are junkies here. I may have a problem because I love them. I want to take them too often. And not because I feel like I'm looking for some answer or some mystery, but I found that they help me have language for how to describe myself to myself and to others. And they help me ask better questions to myself. Hey, that was interesting. You responded this way in that set of circumstances. I wonder what's under the hood for that. So it gives me better introspective tools, which then helps me grow as a person, which then helps me grow as a professional. That's why I think they're very powerful. I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't know. Do you, do you disagree with that philosophy or do you think that's a good way of looking at it? It's called self-awareness. Yeah. And it's huge. Being self-aware is so critical. We grow up in an educational system that teaches you there's one way to be successful. But fortunately, that's not true. But unfortunately, we're all taught that for a long time. And the most successful people have a high level of self-awareness and they play to their strengths instead of trying to be all things to all people. Ooh, that's been an interesting uh, conversation in our office. Do you lean into your strengths or do you... Buttress your weaknesses. Yes. I say lean into your strengths and make sure your weaknesses don't hold you back. That's the way I look at it. Okay, Ryan, what do you think? I think there's a period in your career where you do need to pay attention to your weaknesses. And that's like build fair. that self-awareness, but then there's a period and maybe it has to do with how much of a team aspect you're looking mm. at that you absolutely need to lean into your strengths. I'm a huge strengths person, but I'm coming around to the fact that you can't just ignore this. I agree. Can't ignore it. Kirsten, what about you? There's a lot of value in doing jobs that you're not good at that don't play to your strengths so that you build a level of competency in what you will later lead. I completely agree with that. I think it's actually really important in that scenario to be very self-aware of right now, I am playing to my weaknesses. That is why this is so stressful. That is why I am not doing as well. Here's where I need help and here's how I can ask for mentorship and here's where I can learn more effectively within my style how to do this thing that I will never be good at. 
I think it's critical still to have and lean into your self-awareness there. But of course, yeah, we all have to do things that are hard and unnatural for us. And there's a lot of fruit that can come of that, especially if you are aware of why you're feeling what you're feeling. And there's a lot of ulcers that can come from not being aware. That's a fair point. Yeah, I will... It's not acquiescing. I will adjust the way that I look at it because I like the way you both describe that. There are times when you need to lean into your weaknesses and maybe cultivate a little bit of competency. I like that word. So what's your favorite assessment? I think it depends on what it's being used for. I can talk to two that have actually had a huge impact on my personal life. The first that really rocked my world was StrengthsFinder. I was probably 23 when I took it and I was so embarrassed. I was very ashamed of my results. I did not want my boss to see them. I took it at work and I was like, I don't want anyone to know this <laughs> because it said, you like to sit alone and think. You like to have debates with yourself in your head. You like to think about what other people are thinking about. You like to collect information. Who knows if you'll ever use it. You just want to learn everything and store it away in your brain. And you like to connect the dots between things. All of that was totally true. But at the time, my job was very execution focused. It was very, make sure the project is running on time, make sure all the stakeholders have the information they need, check all the boxes of these things got done and lead the people to be all perfectly aligned. I was really good at my job. And so I read those results and I was like, no one else can see this because this is my lazy side. This is all true. I do love to sit alone and think and just take in information that's not going to bring value today. But that is lazy was how I felt about it. At the time, I was also pretty regularly frustrated, a little bit short-tempered in my personal life, and so tired and stressed. I came to realize this gets into actually the conversation we just had. It was helpful for me to build competency in places where I had weaknesses. It was unhelpful for me to be unself-aware and not realize why I was so tired, stressed, frustrated, struggling to articulate what was important to me and what I saw and what I think needed to get done. I just felt stuck and I felt like something was wrong with me because other people seem to be thriving. And first of all, usually that's not true. Usually other people are not thriving. (laughs) They think something's wrong with them. (laughs) Better at hiding it maybe. Yeah, I was hiding it probably very well. And I came to realize through taking that assessment, some of these things that I'd always been embarrassed about in myself were actually strengths. My daydreaminess, my head in the clouds, my inattention to detail, my lack of ability to keep on top of my email, like those types of things. I was always like, I need to get better at this. I'm terrible at these things. It's not true. Those are things that are the antithesis of my strengths, and I need to focus more on my strengths. I love that. It's absolute echoes of everything that I've gone through. Like, I felt like, you know, I had that period where I had to come to terms with who I was and, you know, who I thought I needed to be. And there was a period where realizing those weaknesses, it Mm -hmm. felt like that's what was needed out of the job at the time. So I focused on it. Then I accidentally built a brand around that and people started to recognize me for it. And I hated that. I was like, but that's Mm -hmm. not who I am, but that's who people were seeing. So I didn't take StrengthsFinder until I was 46. Somehow I took Meyer Briggs when I was in high school. So it's been a weird journey for me, but piecing all of that together and even just retroactively looking at my history been really helpful for me to understand who I am. And how many people are in their 70s and still don't know? Yeah. I talk to people about their work experience all the time. And I'm always, it's like I've come to know this pattern and see it all the time where if you talk to someone about their job for four minutes, they're going to start complaining about somebody, usually somebody in authority, but always somebody. It could be a peer and how incompetent that person is and how frustrated they are. 
And if you dig into that, it usually comes down to that person themselves has a high expectation and something that they themselves aren't even good in or enjoy anyway, but they've learned to white knuckle it. And gosh, darn it, you better too. You know what I mean? They're miserable. So they're putting their misery on other people. And we just go through life with this lack of self-awareness because we think, just do the job. Just show up, just do what is expected of you and go home. And then that leads to people then getting so stressed, so frustrated that they become jaded and then they start judging other people. And then you have all the toxic culture that is slowing down our work, but also making us less well. And it's becoming so much more important, but it's still not, I found, super prevalent. There's still some hesitation or... I don't know if fear is the right word. You know, I've, I've had folks over the years kind of be like, oh, I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to engage was, in this. I don't want you know, yeah. to be used as a weapon, to your point earlier. There's a level of awareness there that I don't want it to be used as a weapon. Mm-hmm. I've also seen people that the first few assessments you take, they're fun and energizing. You start to see yourself. But then there's this fear that sets in of like, is everything predetermined for me or do I have control mm-hmm. over who I am? And there's that like, oh, am I just this person or yeah. you know, can I change or how do I use this information? And there's a hurdle that you know, I've seen some people get hung up on there as well. Do you see that in the product at all? What I love about Cloverleaf is we use a number of different assessments and you will never see somebody who is the same on every assessment. So to your point of like, uh uh-oh, do I have any control here? I'm an INFP. Does that mean as an introvert, I'll never be able to talk well to people? Well, no, I'm also a seven on Enneagram and gosh darn it, I'm gregarious. Like I'm so stoked about everything and I can't wait to tell you about it. And it's actually helpful for me to realize I'm a seven and I'm an introvert. That's why I get tired. That's why I need that alone time. But that alone time stirs up my seven. You know, like how can I effectively spend my alone time? All of that kind of stuff. I think that what I'm getting at with that is that nobody can be put into a complete box. If you actually look at the data, it's impossible for any two people to test the same on all of these assessments. And so what that means is whichever assessment you have taken there's still so many more perspectives on you and how you show up and what you need to be successful and what you can choose, what you can adjust to, to truly bring your best self. When I was kind of seeing Cloverleaf and the sections, there was like culture was like a section, team dynamics maybe was like a section. I I don't know if I'm getting the right word, but it was like categorically, these assessment types fit in these different ways, which got my brain wondering, like, are there some that are better for like team dynamics versus individual growth versus organizational structure? I'm kind of pulling at straws here, but what's the utility of some of these? How do you guys look at that? Like I said, with our sales process, it's very consultative and same with our customer success process. It really depends on what is your organization trying to work on right now or your team trying to work on. Different assessments, I would say, are just helpful for different types of perspective, which could be helpful to the team or to the organization or to the individual. It just depends on what do you want to grow in right now. So sometimes strengths-based is helpful. Sometimes behavior-based is more helpful or culture-based, like you said. It just depends on what are you working on. I'm wondering, uh, kind of that mixed with what we were talking about a few minutes ago, where some people might be hesitant to engage in some of this. You know, if we, let's say SCP rolled this thing out company-wide at some point, I could see some portion of our folks being uncomfortable wanting to use it and wanting to even take the assessments in the first place. And so don't want to force people to do something they're uncomfortable with, but like, man, it's a really cool tool. And I don't know, how do you balance that? Well, I would say social proof is the most helpful way to sell it. And social proof is just you see what other people are doing and you build trust through that. 
we always say, do not mandate this because you don't know the experience somebody has had already. They might have had, you know, they took Myers-Briggs at their previous job. They were the one outlier and they think that's why they didn't get promoted or that somebody told them that's why you got fired or, you know, you never know. People have had some really unfortunate misuse of assessment experiences. So never mandate it. But usually what happens with those folks is they have their concerns. They don't speak up because what has happened to them is so unfortunate that it's like, there's a lot of discomfort there, but their peers around them are comfortable, get on it, start talking about it. And those conversations are really like peers are the best salespeople for this type of stuff, because if they've learned, if it's been helpful to them, then it will spread. And if it's not helpful to them, then it won't spread. But it always is helpful. I think that's very on brand for us. I mean, Ryan, you've been here for 25 years? Yep, almost. Almost 25. I've only been here for five years almost here at the end of the month. I'm almost out of my five-year hiatus <laughs> and into the rest of the company. No, I'm kidding. You know, I would imagine back when you first started, we were sub 50 people, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember what number you were? My phone number was 2054. Doesn't mean I was uh, the 54th, 54th person because uh, someone had left. I left. Or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Well, I was probably the 54th, but we were less than 50th okay. because of just attrition leading up to that. And, you know, Kirsten, yes, Kirsten, Kirsten, I got it right there the second time. You mentioned it's less valuable for sub 50 folks, right? A company sizes sub 50. I wonder if, like, at that point in time, you can know everybody in the building and build deeper relationships. And I think that's pretty on par for SEP. But as you get bigger and have more people, it's impossible to know everybody in the building. I think I know everybody's name at this point, but I don't know them as a person. I distinctly remember the moment that we expanded from one floor to two in a tall mm. building we were in. And the group conversation was like, we don't know each other anymore. Oh, wow. Right? It's like there is some of those forcing functions sometimes. Yeah or two wings of an office or whatever. But yeah. like, the culture becomes aware of yeah. maybe accidentally sometimes. Yeah. I'm curious, Kirsten, if somebody wanted to bring this to their company and they're uh, maybe more of an IC, what do they do? How do they start to have some of these conversations? How do they get and build some of that social proof? There's a couple of things you can do. One, you can just go and start a free trial and invite your team into it. And your team can get in there and play around with it. And it's fun, right? Like as an IC, it's just a fun thing to do. Everyone who's an assessment junkie has found ways to take free assessments. You can just do that on Cloverleaf. And you can start to experience how it turns into automated coaching. And then the other thing I would say is oftentimes organizations will roll out, you know, we're going to do disc for this thing, right? And you can just influence that, hey, I know a great disc that you could take. You can also introduce us to your HR department. Learning and development specifically uses a lot of assessments and that's who we end up working with. But yeah, for ICs, I would just say, of course, we'd love the intro, but just get started. Just get your team on there. That's fair. I think that's something Ryan and I were talking about before we started the show, because I was telling him a little bit more about Cloverleaf and how I think, man, this is something we should look into just as a company. Because I think we do some of these things, you know, in pockets. We do. You know, and we try to use them. Yeah. I've always found them helpful. So that actually leads me to a question I had. Thinking about the customer journey or the user mm. journey, there's a few moments of truth in these kind of aggregated. So there's a moment where you realize you need to open Cloverleaf or yeah. before Cloverleaf, you needed to go consult yeah. for a conversation. Like you need to recognize that. And then there's a moment where you need to know what you're looking for. Is it a difficult conversation I'm preparing for? You know, so I need to influence somebody or persuade. Mm -hmm. And then there's the moment of truth where you act that out. But that middle moment of truth, you know, in the old days, you'd just be maybe digging through somebody's assessment or just digging through 
how does Cloverleaf help the writing of the query? Like the question that you're asking the system, it seems like there's magic there or am I, am I missing something? Well, we do, you know, we use natural language processing. We use some generative AI to help interpret what you want to ask, right? So like completes your sentences type stuff, just like when you type into Google. But that's based on what are people commonly searching or and also you personally, your style, what will matter to you. So yeah, there is, of course, a lot of technology put into that because you said, you know, the alternative is like maybe back in the day, people were searching through each other's PDFs. Let's be real, Ryan. They're not doing that. Yeah, you're just kind of like sifting through looking for something useful. (laughs) You're kind (laughs) of, but most people don't take the time to because they're like, what am I even looking for? How am I going to have time to read all this stuff? And by the way, how do I even find Ryan's report? Like I have mine, but how am I going to get Ryan's, you know? That's why we put a ton of our focus around how do we just make this as intuitive and lightweight and easy as possible. And as you search, we're paying attention to what is it that matters to this person so that the next time we send you a tip in your Slack or your Microsoft Teams or your email, it's what you need and you don't even need to come and search for it. I want to dive in a little bit to your personal journey. You co-founded this company and initially setting out to jump into fair trade fashion and now now completely shifted gears to team and professional growth tech platforms. I'm sure over the last, I think it's what, eight years or so that you guys have been on this journey. Tell me about some of the aha moments you guys have had over the last eight or so years. Sure. I mean, a big one was when it was just my co-founder and I, and we knew we were setting out to start a tech business, but our technology itself was extremely limited. Neither of us are technical people. We don't know how to code, like all that. We outsource to actually someone in the Ukraine who is fine today. He's gotten out, actually. We had him building it and we had no money and was just very, 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 very limited what it could do. And we kept getting these same questions about, at that point, the product itself could chart everyone's assessment results together. That was pretty much it. Like a heat map? Kind of, yeah. Ryan's in this top right quadrant, Zach's down here in the bottom left. Exactly. Which that alone, people looked at and said, oh my gosh, I usually have to pay $100 a report every time my team changes to get this visual. you know." And it was like, great, well, that's automated for you. But it wasn't enough. People said, after I use it once, what am I going to do with it? And I was getting ready for a sales call. And I was just like, man, I know what they're going to say. They're going to say the same thing everyone else says. After I use this two times, then what do I need to do with it? You know? And I was like, Ugh. I'm just embarrassed. I don't want to have this call. And it was super hard. I actually literally just prayed. I was like, what do I do? Help me, God. You know. And I got this idea of what if we just took a piece of this assessment report that nobody's reading anyway, Ryan. And like send it to like, just email it to somebody, right? And it was just this little hack, this little test, I manually wrote our first few anyway, right? And then it people loved it, it took off. That was a big aha moment for us of how do we help bring this learning to people in small bite sized doses that will really help change their behavior. Over the years, that's become our core product. It's automated coaching. We invented it actually, honestly, by mistake by (laughs) trying to get ready for a sales call. And it's been super valuable to people. I think another aha moment is the fact that, you know, I joked about this at the beginning, but I really don't like technology. I actually think in a lot of ways, technology is terrible for humanity and it's causing a lot of problems. And I think that's actually a huge asset of ours that me as our head of product has always been, 
just very committed to making our tech product as simple to use in as short amount of time as possible because I don't want people on their screens. I want them in conversations with each other. But the technology itself just helps to scale this. And I didn't realize that until really recently that that's actually a core product principle of ours of how do we get value in as little of time as possible? And how do we invest in our technology not to create more solutions that you can click through and all of that kind of stuff, but build our technology to what you don't even see. It's just behind the scenes deciding for you based on everything that you give us. And when we're wrong, you have easy ways of telling us like, oh, I need actually to resolve conflict today with this person or I need whatever it is. And then our system just gets smarter and smarter for you so that in two minutes a day, you're growing immensely as a leader or as an IC or as a wife or whatever you are, right? Like you're growing in your life with your self-awareness, but it doesn't even feel like work to you and you don't have to spend much time on it. Best technology is the one that gets out of the way. Amen. I love that. I don't know that I've talked to anybody that has ever said, yeah, we try to build our product so that we get the least amount of time spent by an individual. Mm. It's new. Yeah, no, in investor conversations, we have to be very educational on these are the metrics that we look to for success, not those metrics, you know? It takes education to pitch why that is better. And we even have customers who say, well, you know, I want to know that this is value to my people. Can I see the amount of logins that they have into the app? And we say, no, 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 no. We actually don't want your people logging in. We want it to be easy to log in if and when they need it. But we find it the most valuable if they're just opening the emails or opening the Microsoft Teams message or that kind of a thing and not even coming to have to spend more of their time on the app. Yeah, you talked at the beginning like this idea that it's going to look at my calendar and anticipate I'm going to go do a thing with Ryan. Hey, be cognizant of this and that. Just Just a quick quick. reminder. It's not intrusive. Yeah. She'll never remember it. Exactly. So true. That's a really cool new paradigm for me. There you go. My aha is now your aha. I love it. New (laughs) mission. I'm on a new mission. So Ryan and I both watched your TED Talk from a few years ago. By the way, how nerve-wracking was that for you? Was that pretty uh, okay with you? Well, I do love doing things like that. What was nerve-wracking was it's a TED Talk and I had like very little time to prepare for it. Somebody came to me pretty last minute and was like, oh, I just heard you talk. You want to talk at TEDx? I was like, wait, I feel like it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. What I got a craft like, and you know, you only have eight minutes, which is so short to say your life's message. <laughs> so that part was nerve wracking, but otherwise super fun. What an honor. Just so very fun. I love the self-discovery. You know, we've talked a lot about how if somebody is getting started with this journey, just start, just go sign up for a Cloverly free trial and take some assessments and start to learn about yourself. But why do you, and actually I'm Ryan, I'm, I'm curious about you. This, I'm going to ask you both this question. Why do you guys think that's important? Why is this critical for our own personal development to have the skill of introspection and self-awareness? I think it's critical for change, right? Improving mm-hmm. and changing. And you know, there are things in your life that you're, you're happy with or you're unhappy with. Like how else? I mean, is it, you can just take you know, guesses in the dark, but I think that introspection is critical for figuring out what the path is you're going to take. I like that. I think a lot of people are suffering and they're looking for a lot of external reasons to what they're suffering from. And there are real external reasons to suffer, but there's also a level of control that a lot of us have over our circumstances and self-awareness helps us realize that. So for example, if your boss is a jerk, oftentimes that actually is potentially true. There are some bad, bad bosses out there. But most people are not out to get you. (laughs) Like 
there's often actually a nuance there in what your strengths are and what her or his strengths are. And when you can diagnose that and start to understand that, what used to be something that sent you home crying or frustrated or feeling ignored or steamrolled or think you're going to look for another job, but you don't want to leave your colleagues or could you even in this market or whatever, you know, like all that suffering. A lot of times, if you can build your self-awareness as well as your other's awareness, it changes your life. And it's not a one-time thing. It doesn't happen after you read one PDF report or take one assessment. It really actually often happens over a few weeks, months. And then, you know, of course, it snowballs into years and years. But the beginning of that journey will just unearth a lot of things in yourself that you didn't realize were there that you can grow from and that you can lean into more and alleviate a lot of your own suffering and your mental health issues and your depression and your anxiety. A lot of that stuff can actually just be solved by understanding this is who I am. This is what I'm good at. How do I lean more into that? Hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of like building that internal locus of control. The self-awareness and introspection is the exercise that, mm-hmm. that helps you build that. Yeah, which by the way, none of this is what we market because that's like so self, like we market towards the L&D leader and their programs and all that kind of stuff, right? But at the end of the day, that's what the L&D leader wants too, is for their people to feel that internal locus of control and to feel that autonomy and that sense of ownership. And I'm just really passionate about the, the further I get along in life, the more I'm convinced the people who become the most satisfied and successful are those who have a growth mindset. They have the best jobs, the best marriages, the best everything. And that doesn't necessarily mean you rise to the very top because that's not success for some people. But your own version of success, you reach much better if you have a growth mindset. It's almost like you can find better contentment regardless of what position you are in a company because I'm growing as a person, not necessarily like climbing some ladder. It's not just about that. They can be mutually exclusive concepts. They are mutually exclusive concepts. I love that. You know, oftentimes I think this kind of a conversation is kind of squishy for a lot of people and it is, but it's like making some of the squishiness a little bit firmer, a little bit more, the value to be understandable. You know, there are some companies I think that maybe do this well, but maybe not intentionally. Maybe they're leading in a way that is aligned philosophically with growth mindset, but maybe they, they lack some of the formal tooling. And I'm excited to see and see where you guys grow from as a platform to bring that intentionality and enable more people that may not have that inherently built into the way that they lead or run their organizations. And that is a thing that's at the back of my mind that I think is really cool. So I appreciate you spending some time with us. Any last shameless plugs? There's no shame here at the end. I would say follow me on LinkedIn. I talk about these topics. I actually talk more about the topics of how does it actually tie to hard business results because... It's marketing, folks. (laughs) And it does. It actually, it really does. A lot of what we do, we tie back to how does this make your business more successful? Because at the end of the day, if you are being successful, the business is being successful, right? So yes, follow me on LinkedIn and then start a free trial. Cloverleaf.me. Go start a free trial. Experience it for yourself. Tell your friends. Tell your L&D people, your HR people. Tell your bosses. Tell everybody. That's my shameless plug. Go try it. If you like it, tell everyone. Go check it out. And if you don't like it, come and tell me. There you go. Let Kirsten know why you don't like it and she'll make it better. Exactly. Give me feedback. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Have a wonderful rest of your day. 